Twenty dollar pass and we're up. It's a band. Yeah. Usually takes just a minute to attend the pop up. Well, that was an hour and a half out of my life. I'll never get back. Where was that? Hi. At the city Centennial Hall. Okay. I had someone stop by and asked me, and I was like, oh. it's just, you know, there's a place for negative campaigning, and that would help if some people would do that because it's all, everybody's down there just playing nice with everybody else. And the, the questions are asking, do you support early childhood education? What do you think they're going to say? Hell no. That was Harry Peru. Thanks for coming back a second day. Oh, sure. No problem. It won't, won't take nearly as long, I don't believe, by any means. We can stretch this out, Justin. You watch. <laughs> I'm sure we can. I am sure we can. So what are we doing here? Okay. Um, well, Kathy, do you have anything or do you want me just to kind of jump in? Jump into the UC Health thing. And Stephanie, I have a few questions, but not a lot. Okay. Um, so first off, before I get to the last four pages of, of what we had built there, I'm going to go through the UC Health thing because that kind of plays into you know, those last four pages from a cost perspective. Um, and that's what the last four pages are doing is really summarizing costs for some of these different options. And so I will share my screen, um, but it was a separate attachment that I think um, was printed off. Hold on, let me share my screen real quick. Yes, it was. Okay, so just to refresh everybody, because I know it's been a while, um, you know, four to six weeks since we talked about this. Um, UC Health, Yampa Valley Medical Center, um, has put in and worked with United Healthcare UMR, who is your current administrator of your benefits for the medical side, um, a, a network that they're calling the Select, um, Plan, Select Colorado Network. And essentially you do receive deeper discounts at what they call tier one facilities. Um, and tier one facilities are really any UC health facility, uh, which yeah. obviously. Sorry, it's a separate sheet. Oh, it's a separate sheet. So you would have gotten a packet and you would and have gotten a, a separate single. sheet. You want me to go make a copy of this for you? Would you please? Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Kathy. Thank you. Yeah. And you know what, Justin? I was so distracted as I was looking for That's that. Okay. Uh, would you mind starting off? <laughs> <laughs> Not a problem. Um, so four, four to six weeks ago, we kind of talked about this initially. Uh, United Healthcare and UMR, who provides your medical benefits um, administration, uh, they've partnered with UC Health um, and created more of a um, higher performing network uh, that really uh, specializes in working with UC Health facilities, um, which Yampa Valley Medical Center is now a part of UC Health. Um, and so they approached us to look at to see if you guys potentially wanted to make um, a potential change in some of the benefit structure uh, on your PPO plan only um, and look at this select plan uh, for Colorado. And again, we're not eliminating any providers. What this does is create um, essentially tiered provider networks. When I say tiered, tier one um, 
Obviously, you get better benefits if you're a member in Tier 1, but that means you're utilizing what is called a Tier 1 uh, provider and or facility. Uh, and for Route County, almost all of the providers in the Steamboat Springs area are considered Tier 1, whether it's the PCPs, the specialist, or Yampa Valley Medical Center. Um, the only time a facility or a provider would fall into Tier 2, which is still considered a network, is if there was a Tier 1 facility in the same geographic area and the member still decided to utilize that other particular provider. For you guys specifically, that's only really going to happen in the Denver metro area. So if somebody came down from Steamboat Springs to Denver for services and care, and they decided not to go to a UC health facility, and they went to a Centura healthcare facility for that particular care or a health one facility, then their benefits would fall into the tier two benefit category, meaning they would pay a little bit higher in deductibles and out-of-pocket maximums and or co-pays than they would if it was tier one. Now, the one thing I wanna point out is when you look at this document side by side, what we've been able to build and we're working on to get final approval from uh, United and um, UC Health, which uh, we don't expect any issue is, your current PPO benefits, if you look at that in-network, it's a $1,250 deductible for a single, $2,500 for a family, $5,000, $10,000 out-of-pocket maximum, we have used those exact same benefits as the tier two benefits. So it is not a takeaway, if you will, to your employees if they went to say a Centura Health or a Health One facility down here in the front range. Um, they would ex essentially be responsible for the same co-pays and deductibles and out-of-pockets that they have today, regardless. What we've done is add this tier one benefit, which has lower deductibles, lower out-of-pocket maximums for them, lower co-pays for certain procedures for them, um, and that incentivizes them to utilize those tier one providers, which again, in your area, in Steamboat, your hospital and your providers are all considered tier one anyway. So your members are already using them for the majority of their services. Um, if they go down the veil uh, and use Veil Health, Vail Health is considered tier one because there's not a UC Health facility in Vail that competes with Vail Health, right? The closest one is up in Steamboat. So that's not considered geographically close to each other. Um, so Vail Health, you get to pay tier one benefits. If they went over to uh, Moffitt County and had services done in Craig, that hospital is still considered a tier one facility because again, there's not a UC Health facility sitting right there in Craig that they could have utilized instead. Um, and so for 95% of your claims utilization within your PPO plan, they're already using what's considered a tier one benefit. Um, so from our side, we look at it and we say, well, it might make sense for them to move to this select Colorado plan for the PPO plan only because one, you're gonna save money because we get better contractual discounts at those tier one facilities. Um, and the repricing we got back based on your PPO plan only uh, over a 12 month period was an estimated savings of roughly $190,000 in claim savings, additional 
claim savings from what you would have seen if we didn't put this in place. And so when we look at it, um, we look at it from a standpoint of, are we taking a benefit away from a member? Uh, in our opinion, the answer is no. The only piece that we have to consider is here at the bottom, there is that asterisk, members must select a Colorado Select PCP for primary care. Well, almost all of the primary care physicians in the Steamboat Springs area are a part of this Colorado Select PCP group. So this shouldn't be a large, um, if hardly any uh, detriment to any of your employees to continue to utilize their PCP that they're using in Steamboat and they are considered a Colorado Select PCP. Um, from a standpoint of cost savings, we talked a little bit about it yesterday. We are projecting about a 5% overall claim savings if you were to move forward with this for the county as a whole. Now, the reason we're only suggesting it for your PPO plan is because the high deductible health plan in order to remain HSA eligible can't provide what we call co-pays or $0 coverage, um, right? They have to pay the full cost of whatever that service was um, to remain HSA eligible. And that's a federal guideline that has nothing to do with United or us or anything else. And so we can't put into place some of the requirements of a $0 copay for a PCP office visit at a select PCP primary care physician on the high deductible health plan and let that continue to be a um, uh, HSA eligible high deductible health plan. So for now, we are only suggesting that we do it for the PPO plan. Um, and again, it's not a benefit takeaway. In fact, I say it's an enhancement. So anybody who's using a doctor in the Steamboat Springs area or the hospital, they get a lower deductible, lower out-of-pocket max, lower co-pays. Uh, the co-insurance is the same, whether it's tier one or two, it's still 80%. Um, inpatient, you know, the member would still pay 20% tier one or tier two, which is what they're paying today. Uh, emergency room, still $100 after uh, co-pay, after deductible. We can have that match the same as it is today. Um, you know, $0 charge for urgent care, if it's tier one versus 50 today. So there is a benefit with no takeaway, because again, tier two benefits match what they have today. And then there's still the out of network, um, which again, that matches what they have today for if they truly go to an out of network provider altogether. Um, if they were out of state and they had to have services done, you know, if they had a child or something else, essentially anything out of state is going to be considered tier one because there's not a competing UC Health facility, say in, in Arizona, um, that they could have chosen to go to. So that is all considered tier one, too. Not that you have a lot of claims that are out of state, but um, if that question comes up. Uh, and so from our standpoint, with the savings um, that are on the table to potentially do this, uh, you know, we think it probably makes some sense for the county to really consider potentially putting this in for your PPO plan for 2023. Hey, Justin, that was a lot of information. So questions. How does, um, how does mental health work? Um, is it, is it still a copay and do we anticipate that people, uh, I mean, we don't have that many, uh, therapists or psychiatrists or whatever in network, but mm -hmm. We anticipate anything funky would happen with that since a lot of people get tied to their their professional person. 
from so uh, great question, Kathy. From a standpoint of therapists and utilization, no changes in terms of the the network or the people that they can see based on this. From a copay standpoint, it's actually an enhancement. One of the things that Select Colorado wants is to have zero dollar copays for mental health uh, visits. So they, you know, they would be at a zero dollar copay instead of uh, the standard copay that they have today. So it actually is an enhancement on that piece as well, Kathy. Okay, that's great information. Thank and will you. this plan still include, like, I know that Teladoc's on there, but like televisits with your primary care? Yeah, uh, as long as their primary care still does that, yes, yes, it would. Now, obviously, the, the hard part is, right, as long as they are a tier one Colorado Select PCP, um, because again, we do have to assign PCPs. Now, obviously, if they're doing telehealth visits with their assigned PCP, no issue. But if they're doing it through, say, Teladoc, right, that's not going to be necessarily a tier one provider because that Teladoc, you could be talking to a doctor out of, um, you know, Nebraska, depending on where they're at in the time of time of day that they're talking to that Teladoc provider. Does that make sense, Stephanie? Yeah. So Teladoc's going away. Well, it doesn't necessarily go away. It's just a no copay or no charge for it to the member for using it. That's part of what Select Colorado, because they want to drive people. If they can't go see the physician in person, they really want to try to get them to utilize that teledoc service more often uh, because it, A, it helps get care to them right away. And B, uh, a teledoc visitation uh, claim is significantly less than an in-person claim is. Um, have you heard anything regarding the juggling of the deductibles and out-of-pocket maximums, well, with the tier one and tier two? So typically at all costs, you avoid doing out-of-network and these, are, these aren't that far apart as far as um, costs. And so I, I, I guess I'm wondering how confused people will get if they realize they have to meet one before anything kicks in. You know what I mean? Like if they're spreading their dollars across both and they never right. get it. So my, yes, that's a great question. Um, I don't have great feedback from UMR and United on that. That's something that I can bring back to them again and follow up on. Uh, so this product's been out for about two years. They've obviously gained a lot of membership in it. Um, uh, over the last couple of years. And what they've actually said is they've seen a lot of employers start to do is really, instead of offering uh, tier one, tier two, and a now network, they essentially just go to a, you know, what tier one is, is, is their in-network and then an out-of-network benefit as, as well. Um, I don't know that you guys want to go that step year one, um, because we want people to be comfortable and still be able to utilize um, you know, if they came down to the front range, a health one or a Centura facility, if that's where they wanted to go. Children's Hospital is included in tier one as well, just in case anybody has a question. Children's Hospital is a tier one. Um, but let me, I don't have a great answer for you on that piece, Kathy, on how UMR system set up to cross um, accumulate and make sure that appropriate deductibles are being applied um, based on the utilization at a facility or a provider, if they're tier one or tier two. Um, I can get you more feedback here this week on that piece though. Let me, let me jump in and I want to make sure I understand what the scenario you were talking about. 
So was it your concern that uh, for the deductible, say for an individual uh, under the, the, the select Colorado plan that you might have to meet the $500 deductible in tier one and, and then the 1250 in tier two. So you could end up having generated $1,750 of deductible expenses as opposed to just the basic 1250. My concern is you have to meet both before the 80% kicks in. So like if oh. you either have, it, you know, if you're only operating on tier one, then it's not a big deal. But let's say you have another doctor that's in tier two. So let's say you're, you're spreading your money across both and the you might ultimately end up spending $1,750 yes. as an individual to cover your deductible worst case scenario. Right. Okay. I, I don't believe that is the case, but I need to get hundred percent confirmation. My understanding is Kathy. And again, I need to get a confirmation is that if you hit the $500 deductible in tier one, that 500 carries over into tier two. So it reduced your tier two from 1,250 down to $750 that you would still owe if you went to um, another, a tier two provider. So right. worst case, I mean, they're spending $1,250 is the most they would spend on their deductible. Um, but we do have to have separate deductibles for tier one and tier two because in order to get the better discounts, they want some sort of mechanism to try to get you know, the members to utilize those facilities um, and really lowering deductibles and out-of-pockets is the best way to get somebody to do that. And just so that I, I just refresh my memory, two people have to meet the deductible in order for the 80% to kick in. One person cannot for the whole, like if it's a family. So, on the family side, it is capped at the individual deductible um, for an individual in the family unit. So yes, essentially you would need two people, right? Because meaning if you know my family was on the plan and I had a surgery, I would be capped at the one, let's uh, say the $1,250 uh, for the deductible. Um, and so $1,250 would be applied towards our total family deductible. And then somebody else could either make up the rest of it, or it could be a combination of, you know, me and my, or my wife and my kids. Um, it's not changing how it operates today, but that is how it operates today. We could change that if you want. If you want one person to be able to hit it for everybody, um, we can do that. Obviously, expectations on costs could increase when you do that, because now you have, you know, maybe one person hitting the uh, deductible and out of pocket for the whole family unit and then the family you know for the rest of the year is off off the hook on any additional pieces there um, and we could certainly do that but um, it's still going to operate the same way you have it as today okay thank you i i have a question about your emergency room here yeah so it says a hundred dollar copay after deductible yep. for early, and that's not how that works how does yours work? Dollar fee. It's just a hundred dollars. They don't have to pay their deductible because I know we've gotten questions from. They have to meet their deductible, but even after you meet your deductible, it's eighty twenty plus a hundred twenty hundred dollar fee. It's just confusing. People are going. I think we've been encountering this over the last few years. People, we had someone in our office today going, 
I went to the ER. I thought it was a hundred dollar copay, and you know, it's a rude awakening when they think that it wasn't just a hundred dollar copay. So I, I, this is just something that you we'll have to work with you on, Justin, to change that language. Well, I I, I agree. Your plan with this language in here is a little unique. Uh, my suggestion would be to remove. Let's just make it a flat copay. I'd make it more than a hundred dollars, right? Because we want it. We don't want people to utilize the emergency room like a PCP office if if we can avoid it. Um, obviously, I know up in Steamboat, right? You guys don't have uh, twenty four hour uh, urgent cares or you know physician offices that are open all the time. And so, if it happens at night, right, people end up in the emergency room regardless of what the condition is. Um, but you know, you might do just a flat $250 copay for emergency room visits instead. Um, that would be more uh, what we'd see in line or it's just deductible and coinsurance. There is no copay um, attached to it. Those would be the two options that I would look at from a standpoint of um, what is more, I guess, normal from a lot of plan designs that, that we see and we work with. From a cost standpoint, it's not going to change any of our cost projections to make that change in that plan design. I guess it's, I, I think it would be a drastic change to switch it to just 250 if they don't have to put in any additional money. So I guess I'd be inclined to just go to, uh, you know, the coinsurance. And Deductible and coinsurance? That would be my recommendation. So just, just so I understand, Stephanie, your, your question um, or your comment. What I'm reading here under the current plan, it says $100 copay after deductible. From the perspective of, of the insured person, that's very clear language to me. It's that after I've met my deductible, I can go to the emergency room for a hundred bucks. And that's not how it is. So you get to pay your deductible and hundred dollars. So it's your deductible at the hospital you have to pay. Then you have to pay a hundred dollar copay to the hospital. Again, I'm making my uh, somewhere during the course of the year, I ran up $1,250 worth of expenses. I've met my deductible. Therefore, now when I go to the emergency room, it's just 100 bucks. Now you owe your 20% plus $100. Oh, well, of course. I'm sorry, the 20% cut. So again, I, I guess I'm confused. I feel like that language is pretty straightforward and makes sense. Is that just me? Well, a copay, usually when you pay a copay, it's just the $100 copay. Oh. So when people have a bill on top of that, that they weren't expecting. For the, the 20 percent they're out of pocket. Or they're just paying the complete deductible and they're, you know. I, I would, yeah, I was going to say, I'd agree with Kathy. Um, just to, if we clean up the language, I'd actually just drop the $100 copay and just make it deductible and coinsurance. I mean, that's what they're already paying. Plus then they're paying another $100 on top of it. I would just drop the $100 copay and it's deductible and coinsurance. And so if they've met their deductible um, already, then they're just paying the 20% coinsurance um, on it. There is no additional $100 copay. Well, it kind of begs the question, why would you have a separate uh, line drawn out for the emergency room? You're treating it like any other visit, right? Well, because people do want to know how much that it's going to cost the same as if you go to your doctor or if you go get a surgery, you get anything. You pay your deductible and then you pay 20% co-insurance up to the maximum. 
but on a PPO plan, there could be copays for different things. Oh. So that's why, like, it would be. So, like, if you go to a PCP on the PPO plan, they only pay $25. That's it. Now, the 25 gets credited towards their deductible, but they don't have to meet their deductible first. And so I guess, Stephanie, now that we're talking through this, I see the confusion. Um, and again, this has been a longstanding kind of benefit plan design for over the years. I would suggest we drop the $100 copay out of the emergency room piece, and it's just deductible and coinsurance, um, which is still a lot if somebody ended up in the emergency room, if they haven't met any of their deductible. Um, and even if it's a 20% coinsurance, it's still, um, I don't think we need to pay an extra $100, I guess is what I'm getting at, on top of the deductible and coinsurance. Right. Agreed. Yeah, because the HD, um, you know, high deductible health plan doesn't have anything additional. So it is a little bit weird, too, that, you know, you'd have to pay a copay on top of that. So that, I, that would be my recommendation that we pull it. Yeah, from a cost perspective, there's it doesn't change anything from us from a cost perspective expectation for the plan. Um, and it just makes it cleaner. And I, I guess, I don't know if it, it's not a big win, right, for employees, but actually it, it's a little bit. The plan design actually improves a little bit because they're already paying deductible and coinsurance for the, for the emergency room and an additional $100 on top of that. Good with that. Okay. Okay. So we'll clean that up on both sides. Um, so the question in front of us right now is whether or not we're gonna provide direction to move to the Colorado Select Plan. And what I have not heard, and I guess the, the direct question to you, Justin, can you imagine a scenario where an employee could be disadvantaged by this move? For you guys, no, I do not. Um, and I say that wholeheartedly because of the fact that most of your providers in the Steamboat area where the vast majority of your utilization goes is considered tier one. So they're, they're getting a better benefit. You know, they're getting lower deductibles, lower co-pays, lower out-of-pocket. The county is going to save money because we're getting better discounts by implementing this for those claims that are happening at Yampa Valley Medical Center. Um, and so if you guys were, and I'm not trying to draw this out, but if you guys were down here in the front range, I probably have a different story for you. Only because there's a lot of Centura Health and Health One facilities here in the front range that somebody might like to go to instead of a UC Health facility. That is not the case for you guys. 90% of your, your claims activity happens in the Steamboat area, Craig area and Vale area, which all of those providers are considered tier one. So, um, and the fact that we set up tier two to match your current in-network benefits as you have today, it's not a takeaway for your membership. So I don't, outside of confusion of making sure, and this is gonna fall on, on myself and Jesse and Allie, and unfortunately Stephanie and Kathy, to make sure that we explain this as accurately as possible to employees for open enrollment if you move forward with it. Um, outside of the confusion part, there is, I don't see any disadvantage to the county to offer this on your PPO plan. Yeah, I mean, that's, the way you presented this, it feels pretty much like a no-brainer. It does appear to be 
a, a better set of benefits for the employees and it does save us money. It's, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling. I mean, I'm trying to be the devil's advocate here and that we shouldn't do this. It's a, it's a good thing we know you because if we didn't know you, <laughs> you were selling us snake oil because it does sound too good to be true. I, hey, try, I've vetted this for the past two and a half months because you know, you guys are, are one of the ones where it really does make sense. Again, because you're more of a captivated audience in terms of, A, your hospital is a UC Health, UC Health hospital, so it makes sense from that standpoint. Um, and you don't have two or three other hospitals sitting right there in the Steamboat area that is competing for business. And so um, I think it makes sense. I think you know, outside of the confusion part, us just making sure that we try to explain this to the best of all of our abilities and we'll get UMR probably to be up there as well to help explain how this works. Um, so there's no confusion, but it's a win for the employees and it's a win for the county in terms of cost savings. What about Grand Junction? I don't know what happens in Grand Junction, but I know Moffitt does like to get care down there. Is there anything funky that we should be aware of that's happening with so there, there is a tier one and a tier two since they have two hospitals. Um, St. Mary's, which is the larger of the two hospitals that handles the vast majority of things that happen in Grand Junction is tier one. Um, because again, this actually partners with uh, SCL and UC Health. So SCL is the other hospital system that it partners with. And SCL is the one that uh, owns and operates St. Mary's in Grand Junction. Um, the other community hospital in Grand Junction would fall to tier two benefits. Hey, is Swedish involved in this? Swedish is part of Health One, so they would be a tier two benefit. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I said I was being the devil's advocate, which yes. means I was advocating for Dan Sternad, so maybe the devil himself would like to speak. Dan? Have you been following this conversation? Uh, I'm following. Um, I, I guess what I'm looking at here is that this is, um, I'm trying to think of the company that came in front of the Board of County Commissioners that, you know, from Summit County and what kind of thing they, they came up here, you know, advocating. Alliance. What's Peak. Peak? Peak Alliance. Peak, Peak Healthcare Alliance. Alliance. Yeah. And yep. this is, I would say this is, uh, hey, you know, this is um, uh, UC Health's kind of coming up front uh, ahead of the game, if you will to basically uh, ward off that group <laughs> to a certain extent. I don't know, Justin, if you feel that's what I'm, if I'm saying that that's correct, but that's, uh, they're, they're being strategic. It could be. Um, we're very, very well aware of Peak Health Alliance. Um, we have the town of Breckenridge who's in the Peak Health Alliance and we've had them for a number of years. Um, Peak Health Alliance has a lot of its own concerns and issues, and I'm more than happy on another note to talk through all of that. I do think that this is a, um, I think they're trying to get in front of it. Um, I do think that is the case. Uh, you know, we have been talking to for years, um, Yampa Valley Medical Center, about trying to get better discounts for the employers that we work with up in the Steamboat area. Because, uh, you know, obviously, I've been working with the county here for 10 years, I believe now. Um, and we have some other clients up in, in your area over the years. And we made some headwinds with them for a while. And then when UC Health came in, all that kind of went downhill. Um, and we've kind of been waiting to see what happens because again, you're a captivated group up there. Most of your costs are flowing through that facility. 
you know, we were trying to convince them that, hey, it's a local employer. You're not, you know, giving better discounts to people from Texas who are up here skiing on the weekend. That's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to get better discounts for people who live and work in your community. Um, it's taken a lot longer to get there. Uh, this is the best product we've seen to be able to do that. Um, and the fact that it happens to be with United and UMR, who's already your service provider from the medical plan. Um, so you don't have to make a change. Uh, they tried to do this with Anthem a couple years ago, and uh, we actually had the school district um, made the jump and, and tried it. And Anthem, unfortunately, kind of fell on their face on it and, and the district moved back to UMR, which, uh, which is who you guys have. Um, UMR having this in place now for two years, this is going into the third year. They have, I think over uh, 20 accounts on this platform. I don't have a concern that there's gonna be issues from an administrative perspective. Um, again, I think Dan, all it's going to do is yield savings as long as we can get through the initial first couple months of confusion for members of just explaining how it works. And that's our job to do during open enrollment, just to make sure they understand. But again, it's not a takeaway. If they go to a tier two, they're paying the same benefits they would have had today anyways. So I share with you a little bit of cynicism about the motivations of UC Health and uh, in offering these discounts, uh, it's probably only a fraction of what they actually could offer. But from our perspective, it's uh, better than nothing. I would agree. You know, what they're trying to do too is if something comes down the mountain, right, to Denver, they want it to hit a UC Health facility down here so they make sure they capture that revenue versus hitting a Centura or a Health One facility. Um, and so that's part of the motivation too. Obviously, with this plan design, your employees could still go to a Centura or Health One and pay the same benefits that they would have paid if we didn't do this. So again, that's why I think it's a win-win for you guys. Also, we're aware that, you know, as an employer, we were, we were encouraging our people to ship off to other locations to get treatment. I mean, I've had physicians say, oh, you guys have that setup where, you know, you, you allow, you pay your employees if they go to another Direct location. That. Yeah, right. So, I mean, and we're a big employer. That's a separate issue. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So that's the explanation of this. And I can get into um, the actual dollars associated with it in those last four pages as well. Yeah, well, I mean, I, it, it looked like we're gonna save about $150,000 a year. Yeah, we're expecting um, about, and we're being conservative again, because. It could be more, but we're, we take a conservative nature. We think that you'll probably save in the neighborhood of 150 to 180,000 in claims, um, but it could end up very well being more than that. But yes. Jay, any comments on this? I mean, I'm ready to provide direction. Yeah, let's do it. You know, it sounds too good to be true, so I understand the, the questions, but I think it's the model that a lot of healthcare providers are. are Doing the great local competing hospitals here would be different, but perfect sense to. It'll probably take a little bit of the wind out of the sails of Peak Alliance, but that, that's no reason to not take advantage of the offer that's on the table. 
And, and for the employees, that's it's a huge one. Right. You know, we're going in the right direction. And and I think with our healthcare market, until some things settle out in the next few years, I, I'm actually quite pleased to see savings. Um, you know, it's been my experience with healthcare that I was probably looking at anywhere from nine to thirteen percent increase yearly. So, uh, going in the proper direction, I like it, and I'm hopefully this will put some pressure on the industry. So, I I am prepared to move forward with this. Now, premiums stay the same, correct? What you're charging your employees? Yeah, we we wouldn't change anything because basically when we looked at the numbers yesterday, we might have seen like I think it was a thirty thousand dollar increase in we going to the uh, Colorado Select plan out there. So um, I don't think we do anything with uh, premiums whatsoever. That is, I was gonna say that's correct, Dan. On this page, which is page seventeen of the overall packet, this assumes the move to Select Colorado with the move to Symmetra that we talked about yesterday for stop loss, um, keeping the current life and disability and not doing anything with dental. Um, the one thing I did notice is an error on our part. So we're saying your total current budget is 4,024,000. That does not include the life and disability because that is a separate, unless Dan can correct me if I'm wrong, I believe that's not in that 4,024,000. I believe that's, that's a separate bucket. That's correct. It doesn't include life and disability. Okay, so that's 81932 currently for life and disability that I should add to this 4024000 from a budget standpoint currently, if that makes sense to you guys. And I, I apologize for the error. Um, so when you add that in and we made no other changes, we did assume removal of direct path, but we can talk through that. <laughs> yeah. If we do, if we do that with no other changes, and we move to the select Colorado, we're showing a budget increase of 2.59 percent, but that's not accurate because I got to take out 82,000 um, for the uh, life and disability. So, like Dan said, it's about a $30,000 projected annual increase to the budget for the healthcare. Dan, Dan, uh, are you saying that uh, the, that small of an increase it simply isn't worth the? administrative brain damage to well, yeah there's enough there's enough uh what do you want to call it uh estimating going on on these claim numbers and stuff like that that you know one claim could be thirty thousand dollars plus or minus either way so it doesn't make much sense to mess with our premium okay uh, yeah i mean i guess the only point i was going to make was that even if it was a small increase uh, we should pass it on just as a matter of consistency. But uh, I hear what you're saying is that it's kind of funny money right at the moment and it's close enough to zero that the path of least resistance is to keep the premiums the same. Yeah, I would. I, I agree with what you just said. I wouldn't change it for $30,000. Okay. Well, I think this, I mean, this is kind of a, a, a good thing. We can say that we've come up with a way to uh, increase the benefits marginally for our employees at no additional cost and and that the uh, county is only looking at a very small increase year over year for providing health insurance to our employees. 
Um, can I digress? Sure. Um, and go back to short-term disability, Justin. Mm -hmm. So Omaha is is the, the recommended provider for the life in AD&D is, is my understanding because we're, we haven't been that satisfied with One America and they have the packet of STD and LTD. The question I have for you is, why did you choose to present one week or a two week waiting period versus the one week? Because isn't the one week more of a norm? I, so um, actually two weeks is more of the norm. One week is actually less of the norm, to be honest. And it, it's based on pricing. And I see what you're saying on this eight day of disability for the Hartford. Is that what you're getting at versus the 14 or the other two? Um, yeah. I guess I'm gonna digress to Allie because I don't know why it's different because we would have asked everybody quote the same. I think it's, it's just mutual standard options. So we can always change that. It would obviously increase the cost, um, but we could certainly do an eighth day for mutual as well. It was just their standard offering that they showed us to present to you guys. It wouldn't change our recommendation because Hartford again is a lot more expensive on the other offerings on the life and yeah. this long-term disability. Um, you can see they're, you know, they're $11,000 higher on your long-term disability and, um, they're a little bit lower on the life, but I think long-term um, you would save more money with mutual than you would with Hartford as a whole. But do they use the two weeks because people, I mean, in this day and age, people don't typically get two weeks of sick time, but what, why is the two week threshold versus the one? So from a standpoint of why a carrier looks at it and, and we can design it however you want, right? It just depends on how much we potentially spend. Um, Carriers like the two weeks because then it really typically weeds out any non-true short-term disability claims. Um, so if it's somebody who just tweaked their back over the weekend, you know, skiing or being a weekend warrior or something and says, oh, I'm not feeling like I want to come in the work. I'm going to go ahead and, and sit out for a couple of days and file a short-term disability claim. That happens much more often when it's maybe only a week that they have to wait or less. Um, and it's maybe a claim where maybe they normally wouldn't file for short-term disability because they'd be better after a couple of days if they have to wait a full two weeks. And it gets to what you said, Kathy, a lot of people maybe have a week's worth of vacation or PTO or sick time or something built up that they could use to bridge that gap, but they don't have two weeks worth. And so from a carrier standpoint, they do it because they try to encourage people to really go back to work if it's truly not a short-term disability claim. I can see it from an employer side, from a you know, we want to take care of our employees um, thought process that so we want a shorter waiting period to make sure that they're getting some income in. Um, and we can make it a seven day with or an eight day, it's payable on the eighth day of disability from mutual, it'll probably change the premium just slightly, increase it slightly. Um, but uh, I think long term, um, either way, you're going to be okay. It just depends on do you want people to have one week before the payout or two weeks? And again, it's more they're trying to weed out true disability claims versus somebody who just basically is out for a couple of days, wants to maybe stretch it and doesn't want to come back to work and they're getting a disability claim and that's, you know, and that's why. And, and I'm sorry, Justin, I think you, you talked about that yesterday. So I clearly yep. didn't that it's info. A, it's a Thanks. great question. And part of the reason we recommend, you know, I'm recommending 
mutual on here. Harford and Prue Prudential are great companies. We have business with both of them. Um, mutual, we have a longstanding relationship. And I will tell you, uh, even after the two-year rate guarantee is up for most of our mutual clients, I'd say 90% of them, we get a rate pass um, at renewal. And, and it's continued to be a rate pass. So A, people are happy with their service. Um, we have a local customer service team. So Stephanie, if you have questions, they are um, about a block down the street from us. There's seven or eight people in that office and have been for years. So we have local people who will make sure to take care of our problems, our issues, our concerns, billing questions, whatever it might be. Um, it's not somebody seven states away uh, that maybe gets back to us in two or three days. So it's local customer service. And then the fact that we've had really good experience with our renewals with them for our clients is one of the reasons that we would recommend them as well outside of the price. And you, Stephanie's worked with them before and yeah. she's liked them, so. Oh, okay. Well, I'm glad that she said she liked them because I, she didn't call me a liar after I just said all that stuff about them. <laughs> so if we decide to move forward with the short-term disability mm -hmm. option, that only makes sense in the context of us adjusting our sick leave policy. We, now, would, we, we would, if we go forward with this, we would likely eliminate that sick transfer option that we give people now. Correct. Yes. So because if we're, not, if we're not gonna uh, eliminate the we sick time transfer, there's no reason to do this. No, we wouldn't do both. So, and I, maybe I asked this yesterday, we don't have to tell you about this today. So the short-term disability, no. The one thing I would say, if you guys are comfortable, just because I know Stephanie's had some issues with customer service and billing with One America, is you could move, agree to move the life and long-term disability, which is already a benefit you guys offer and pay for, that's with One America, to Mutual of Omaha. And it is a little bit of a savings over what you're currently paying. You're saving about $1,126 annually on the life. So I, it's nominal, but it's still savings. And on the long-term disability, you're saving $3,719 annually. So overall, you're saving about $5,000 from what you're currently paying to the current carrier. And then you could decide if you wanted to add the short-term disability at a later time. We don't care for One America. I, you know what? Yeah, let's, let's, we're, we're talking about going with a low bid here, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's go with a low bid, Justin. Okay, so we're okay to move the life, the okay. current life and long-term disability that you currently have in place with One America to Mutual of Omaha for January 1st. Coverage doesn't change at all. Coverage does not change at all on either one of those benefits. It's the exact same coverage you have today. Uh, the county will save about $5,000 annually. And then we still have the opportunity in the next several weeks to give you the go ahead or no go on the short term. Correct. And it would be with Mutual of Omaha if we did it. And, and we can refine that benefit if we need to as well, right? We could look at making it a one week waiting period or a two week or, or refining based on feedback um, and, and coming back to you with on that. But yes, um, we would be able to move forward with that if you wanted to. And if not, no big deal. It doesn't change the life and long-term disability that we're putting into place. Okay, that sounds good. We've got 12 minutes left. I just promised this room to somebody else. That's okay. Minutes. So from the last couple of slides, so the Select Colorado that we talked about. Um, Justin, hold on. Hold on a minute. Yep. 
Thank you, Mr. One, one quick question, Justin. Yes. Uh, um, you know, the, uh, the disability days, and it says 14th day of disability. Is that 14 days after the incident occurred, or is that 14 working days? It's 14 days after the disability occurred. Is, so the 14th day is when it would start to uh, pay. Thank you. Mm -hmm. You can go on now. Okay. No, that's a great question. Um, so the only other two questions, yeah, obviously I know we're still, I owe you some more information on dental and we talked a lot about dental yesterday. But um, so one, I think we're moving forward with the Select Colorado for the PPO plan. Is that, okay, perfect. And then um, we have Symmetra for the stop loss. We just talked about the life and disability. Um, let's talk about direct path. I think that's the only last piece. So, and that might take more than 12 minutes. So maybe we have to talk again. But I know we've had a lot of conversations about direct path and how they're paying out. You know, based on the fact that you guys are potentially moving forward or you are moving forward with the Select Colorado plan and we're reducing people's out-of-pockets and, and co-pays and some of the issues and challenges we've had with payments and how those payments are working and calculating, you know, is that something that we think we want to continue for next year? And I know it doesn't necessarily go into the budget if and Dan can correct me if I'm wrong, because I believe it's paid out separately. <coughs> um, but uh, is that something we want to continue? And if we do, do we cap the award benefit that's available through it? I think we voted that down at our last at our at our last meeting when when uh, Commissioner Melton was here. So that I think I think we're a, a no on direct. Path. You know what I mean? The the sentiment here has definitely been, let's just be done with it. But I wouldn't, I mean, in fairness, I'm gonna ask you a question, Justin. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that we can demonstrate the direct path has benefited the uh, health of our employees or the bottom line of the county? I like it when Allie, like Allie's facial expression. <laughs> oh, I just know what Justin's gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> That's a no. <laughs> I, was gonna, no. I cannot I cannot prove that to you. No. Yeah. I mean if, if that's the case, then there's no rational reason for us to continue it. But I do want to make sure that we have so I know that there is an influx of people going in now because in that meeting, um, there were people watching that meeting and it and word spread like wildfire. So we do have people going in right now to get um bids. bids for the last quarter. So those may not pay out until a, up to April of next year. So we need to be prepared for that and then um, make sure that they're still giving us those that information, I guess, into the first quarter. Um, oh, we'll still get that information for anything that's happened through the end of this year, yes. Yeah, anything that, in, in anything that incurs, if we cut it off at the end of this year and anything that was incurred would still show up as an expense in 2021. Let's cut it off today. <laughs> well, that's your choice. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Oh, don't. There's people that, would, that oh, God. There's, you, <laughs> people are taking that money to the bank. They're going on vacation with it. Let me just tell you that. Um, Justin, is there going to be uh, some kind of help desk or resource 
from UC Health so that we can be clear on who's in their network? Because I think that will be challenging for everyone to get up to speed on. Yeah, so there will be through um, UMR and I can get you the details on that, Kathy, because UMR is really the one administering it. Yep. Okay. Why do you, I care you know about Tim, people's vacation? You know what, Tim, you could go door to door and say, who's using this? And there, there are people who are actually using it because for the right reasons though, right now. Yeah, that's good. There are, that would be screwed Stephanie too. Stephanie talked to one the other day, it was in the bush caught on fire. We're gonna, we're gonna live with the mistake that we previously made through the end of the year. So. Well, through April, yeah. <laughs> I've well, used them. And I know we only have a couple minutes. One thing I did want to point out, so it sounds like we are eliminating direct path effective January 1st. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So if you look at the very last page, cost summary page, and this, again, I owe you some information on the dental, and I know we're going to have further discussion on the short-term disability. This assumes, I want to walk through the assumptions. So we were assuming the move to select Colorado the Symmetra stop loss that we talked about yesterday. Um, this builds in the dental that we talked about yesterday and we assume the county paying 50% of the premium, which I know we had discussions on that yesterday, but I wanted to tell you that that's the assumption built in here. So that's where the $77,000 is. And then you can see we have the short-term disability as it was currently presented, right? If we make any changes, that number could change. But that's showing if you look at the very bottom, again, I am missing from your current 2021 budget, $81,932 for the life and disability currently, that's not in there. So when you look at that, it's less than $150,000 total increase to the county if you added that UMR dental piece at a 50% cost share and the short-term disability. Got it. So what's that, um, what's that percentage? Do you have that calculated? Let me calculate that real quick. It's a three and a half percent. Three and a half percent overall. And that's, again, the county taking on roughly 77,000 for the dental. And that's, again, that's the 50-50 split um, in the premium share on the dental and then adding the short-term disability as well. So I just wanted to point that out with the move to select uh, Colorado and the removal of the direct path admin fee that you know, we're at a three and a half percent with the dental and the short-term disability. Obviously that number comes down if you didn't do short-term and we just did dental or vice versa. But um, so not a very big increase at all on the whole considering you potentially would be adding two lines of coverage um, from a county lines, uh, from a county standpoint. Good job on crystal balling it. <laughs> I, I've been, Doing this for 12 years, I hope I'm okay at figuring out expected costs by now, <laughs> or being close at least. Justin, is that, yes. what, is that all you need from us for today? That's all I needed for today. Um, I have my direction. We have our direction from Symmetra, uh, Select uh, Colorado, Mutual of Omaha, and then I know we have some more discussion for dental and the short-term disability. Well, what's open for dental? So I owe contribution um, information from, say, the school district and the city, just so you guys had an idea of, you know, how much they're paying them, uh, for that service, because that was something that was come up yesterday. It was a question of, 
are we competitive if we did a 50-50 or if we only paid the difference that we talked about yesterday from what they were paying today to the new rate? What does that look like compared to some other employers? So I owe that information and we should have that for you by tomorrow um, for consideration. And I believe that's all I owe you. And then it's up for you guys to decide whether you wanted to move forward with, with off, making that offer. And if you did, at what level would the county be willing to contribute? So this projection assumes 50-50? Yes, correct. The very last page, uh, there is a, do, uh, a triple star there and it says Route County paying 50% of the dental cost. So we're only building in your cost into that projection. Gotcha. Anything else? That is so, it. Allie, thank you very much. Have a great day. <laughs> Thanks everybody. Take care. Thanks. Bye. We got the furniture people that